Studios, here's Mike Gill. Sing it, bitch. Here we go. It's game day on a Sports Bash Thursday. It is the Eagles and the Giants. We are ready to go. We got it all covered for you from every angle. I'm Mike Gill at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. Hunter Brody, Broads81, Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. What's up, everybody? Did you wake up today with a little extra pep in the step on game day? Not really. Really? Yeah, not really. Oh, man. I woke up today saying, got a big football game tonight. I felt good. Extra cup of coffee? I don't usually go extra cup of coffee because I do the bulletproof coffee in the morning. If I do two of those, I might be running through walls. Okay. But I got to be honest. First time all year, I was kind of, I mean, opening week. But since then, everything's kind of, I felt today like, Got a good game. Got a, not not good game. Got a big game. Got a game that has some meat. Like I love a meaningful football game. Here we go. Do you think it's because you feel that there's a chance of winning the game? No, not necessarily. Yes, I do think there's a chance of winning the game, but not necessarily. It's Eagles Giants. I love Eagles Giants week. Most people are Eagles Cowboys. I'm Eagles Giants. I love the one thing I don't like about the Thursday night game is we're getting robbed of one day. Uh, on the air, anyway, of Eagles Giants. I love the Eagles Giants rivalry. It's been very one sided. I kind of miss Eli. He was such a punching bag and so much fun to kind of like just take jabs at all the time. All in good fun for the most part. But I love Eagles Giants week. And I feel like, you know, every year this game, the year they won the Super Bowl, the Eagles kicked that 61 yard field goal. Like that kind of jump started them. Could this be the jump starting point for the Eagles season to maybe turn around? And I woke up and kind of was like, got a game tonight, man. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like, all right, let's go, man. How many people out there are with me? If you're with me, let me know. It's funny you brought up Jake Elliott and that huge 61 yarder because I don't think that's happening this year with the way that he's been kicking the football. Not oh, I'm not getting into the whole Elliott stuff. I don't care about Elliott and what he's done wrong. I mean, well, kickers in this league have been... I get it. He's missed a 52-yarder, but I think he's the least of their problems right now. He's part I think of they it. got a game tonight that's much more worth looking at than Jake Elliott right now. Well, I'm not. I'm just bringing it up because you brought up what he spark-plugged the, that 2017 year. He he's did. Been, he kicked the 61-yarder. He's been bad this year from 50-plus. Yeah, okay. Well, if, uh, if that continues, we'll get to that down the road. There's a game tonight. I'm excited. I hope the people... Come with me. I hope today people are banging up the text board, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973, and letting us know what they think. Are you excited? I, I, for some reason, I woke up today for the first time. It was like since the pandemic, really. Like Sixers playoffs, I didn't get all that excited about. I couldn't get into the Phillies hardly the whole season long. This is like in 2020 post-pandemic, the most excited I've been for a sporting event. Wow. See, I feel the energy. And you know me. I can get fed into that sports juice, right? So it's 2.03 right now. If you keep this up, by about 2.22, I'll probably be right there with you. I think I'm out of gas already. <laughs> but... <laughs> We're three minutes into the show. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Elliot this year is 7 of 8 from uh, well, it's the, field it, goal. He missed. It's the 50-plus that's been crushing. Well, he made a 50-yarder and he missed one. So he's 50% on 50 yarders. If he continues to have problems there, but he's 7 of 8 kicking field yeah, goals. Well, Ru- the Ruben, only one he missed was a 52-yarder. Ruben Frank put up a great article on NBC Sports Philly about how he has been an issue in the recent you know, time. I mean, a, he's, a Pretty crazy stats that almost jumped out to me. That must be like, over damn. the last couple of seasons then. 
Because this year he's seven of eight. The only one he missed was that fifty-two yarder the other day. Yeah, he hasn't really had too many chances this year. No, he's one for two from fifty. He's one for one from forty to forty-nine. He's four for four from thirty to thirty-nine, and he's one for one uh, from zero to twenty-nine. And he's made all seven of his extra points. So, I mean, to me, he's not even on the the dial. Now, last year he was two for four from fifty. The year before that, he was 2 of 5 from 50. Right. And the year they went to the Super Bowl, he was 5 of 6 from 50. So, so that's where it comes in. He's 10 of 17 from 50. He's 25 for 29 in the 40-yard range. He's 26 for 30 in your 30-yard. Look, I think Jake Elliott's fine. I don't think he's the uh, – kicking in this league is all – people are missing extra points out there. Uh, he is 81 of 96 uh, – excuse me, 114 and 121 on extra points. He's yeah. uh, pretty so good it's been, in that So it's spot. been the last three years of that 50-plus In the 50, yarder. yeah. In that 50 range, which, by the way, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how many kickers are banging 50s home at, at a – what clip are we asking? What clip do we want kickers to make 50 yards? No, that's at? fair, but I think just based off of what we saw out of him early, you thought you got a guy. Sure. You know? Yeah, you had a guy I mean, look, five This or is six. the farthest thing from the issue, as you said. I only brought it up because you mentioned that 61 no, no, yeah. yarder. Now, I'd like to see. This is week number seven. What week was that when he kicked that 61 yarder? Can we get a little synergy from 2017 when he kicked that? 61 yarder against the Giants. It was like week what? Five, four, six, somewhere in that range. How funny would it be if it was like the same week and he bangs home a big one? How many people out there though? Come on, let's go, baby! We finally got a game. It's seriously in 2020, it's been the most dreadful year in the history of our lives for most of us this has been like seriously i'm not making a joke of it it has been painful for a lot of people businesses and everything finally got a game that i feel like i can get excited about i know it's two garbage teams but you know what it's our garbage teams this is our rivalry it's eagles giants let's get excited about it man that's what i'm saying tonight it was your feet up and enjoy it was week three by the way damn I'm almost stunned. I don't know what to do with myself. I was going to get a coffee at the break, but I don't know if I need it right now based off the way that you're acting. I don't know if I've ever seen you this juiced up before. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, what what in the time that we've done this show together would I be juiced up about? I got a Lousy 2020 games, we, no fans in the stands. I got a pandemic with no sports. I did a sports talk radio show for how many months with no sports? I got a game on Thursday Night Football against the most hated rival. It should be the most hated rival. It shouldn't be the Cowboys. It should be the Giants. Let's go! You didn't enjoy when we talked about Manfred not getting this thing settled out for about two weeks straight? Come on! Of course not. How about Manfred stuff? I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, that, that, that takes me. He wants to keep the damn runner on second base. He wants to keep... Uh, what else did he want yeah, to Yeah, we keep? don't need to do that. Thursday night football! Exactly. Come on! Uh, Robin Marmora chimes in. Mike, I think tonight's game is going to be closer than some of us Eagle fans think. I think Eagle fans not even think it's going to be close. Mosher, he's not an Eagles fan, but he has the Giants winning this game. He says it looks like Sterling Shepard is playing tonight, which could cause some problems, and the Eagles secondary should be a good win. Robin Marmora. I think it's going to be, well, you said closer than some of his Eagles fans think. I don't think Eagles fans think it's going to be close. I think they're afraid they might lose the damn game. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I really do. I feel they'll squeak it out, but it's going to be a battle. It's not going to be, you said put your feet up and enjoy it. I can do that, but... You might be uh, clinching a bit because you're a little nervous in some situations. They might go down at one point. See, the Giants, though, they struggle to score points. If the Giants' defense can keep them in it because their defense is respectable, especially in the run game, 
if they can hold the Giants' offense in it, well, that's when they have a chance, I feel. That's the Giants' method of success here tonight. That's the way they need to go, is that defense needs to hold them in it so their offense can maybe squeak one out. That's how the Giants win this game if they do. Well, there's so much here that uh, I feel like we can kind of just, you know, get our hands dirty within on this game. Again, this is like the first time all season, like all these games, no fans. There's going to be some fans there tonight, I guess, uh, adds a little bit to the mix here. Um, but look, the winner of this game, oh my gosh, the winner of this game, think about it. The winner of this game really puts themselves, if it's the Eagles, they're going to be in first place, possibly, all by themselves, depending on what happens with Dallas this weekend. And if the Giants somehow win this game and Dallas is to lose, you're going to have, now Dallas had beat them already, but you would have two teams at 2-5 and five sitting atop the division and the Eagles at 1-5-1, and one, just a half game out with Washington uh, still to play. I mean, so... The winner of this game tonight puts themselves in tremendous position for a playoff berth. Unbelievable. If that can't get you juiced up, I don't know what does. <laughs> With two wins. I love it. What is your confidence level in Lane Johnson today? Uh, six and a half. Okay. I don't have the – I you guys all, like you and these people out there, it's like, oh, they always have this feeling of he can't make it through the whole game. If he's out there playing, he my thought is he's playing. I don't ever think of how long is he going to play. Well, I think it's, it's a fair. football game. Well, Everybody could get hurt in a football game. Well, yes, but you're talking about a guy who has a significant ankle injury that has kept him out the week before. And it is Lane Johnson. If there's anyone who can do it, it's him. But I feel it's reasonable to look at every side of a point. Yeah, I just don't. My brain doesn't work that way. If he's out there, my anticipation is when these professional players play, they are out there with the mindset of, I'm making it through this whole game. None of them are out there thinking, Eh, I might get 48% of the snaps tonight. Well, no, that's not what they're thinking, but the reality is sometimes you have to limp off. But what about Deshaun? Well, I thought last week the fact that he did not play gives him a better shot of making it through this game. That would be my answer to that question. I agree, but I don't. I think he's forcing it because there's no other option. Well, I said that yesterday. Yes. Would they have done this to him if Driscoll was healthy? I don't know. But I think if Johnson gives it a go after not playing last week, I would feel six and a half. On a scale of 1 to 10, 6.5 is my confidence that Lane Johnson gives it a go. Well, I think he's going to play. Not only gives it a go, but gets through the game. Next. No, like I what else we got? He's, I think he's, I'm fired I think he's going to play today, but the fact that he's playing today might limit him and, or might keep him out another week down the road because he was forced to have but to play on, on the end. play tonight, that means they have extra time to get ready for the next game against Dallas. And then after that, they have a bye week. So I think he guts it out these two games. Has 10 days to get ready for Dallas. Then he has a week to get ready for the second half of the year. So you might get Lane Johnson at like 75 to 80% the next two games. But then maybe that rest time is enough to kind of get him back. I would like to think you're right. But with Deshaun Jackson, you talk about you don't like to think about the other side. Now, he's a guy I feel it's very valid to think about that other side. Will he be on a snap count? Uh, That one is valid. And I'll tell you why I think that's more valid. The ankle is one of those things that you can kind of shoot up. You can, you know, I hate to say that because it sounds like so uh, barbaric. Like, you know, hey, you're going to, you know, put Toradol in there. And, you know, the hamstring, you can't do that with. The hamstring's a different situation. You're just at the mercy of when that thing decides, not today, baby. I don't see him getting a full brigade of snaps. But what I do think is more decoy, more 
making the safety take him over, and let's see Travis Fulgham, how he works with more. He should have more space with Jackson out there, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. So some timely snaps for Deshaun Jackson, if you will. You got to utilize them in spurts and make sure you, when you get that opportunity with Deshaun, you make the most of it. I am very interested to see what his snap count is going to be, and I'm excited to see I what I would say Fulgham similar to what we saw in the first game, where he was like 50%. Ooh, okay. I mean, look, it's better than not having him whatsoever. What about Hightower? Does he lose a bunch of snaps? Do they trust him? Do they not yeah. trust him? I think Hightower is the guy that suffers the snap counts because of Jackson's return, which is, okay, that's fine. But I also think that that could utilize, you can try to sneak Hightower out there when you're like, wait, where's Jackson at? He's not out here. Okay, we can kind of put our guard down. Hightower goes streaking down the field for a couple of long guys. Ooh, he's got to catch it, though. Uh, he was 50, 50% on those. He was like uh, Elliot kicking a field goal. Yeah, 50, there you go. 50, 50, 50 <laughs> but, no, seriously, like if Jackson's not out there, it might force you to not force them, might cause them to let their guard down a little bit, not realizing, hey, Hightower can run past you, too. With Zach Ertz out there. Like, I'm, I'm calling it right about... now. Hightower gets a long one tonight. Okay. All right. Write what, it down. What's a long one? Classify the long one. Over 40. Over 40. What if it's 39? Not a long one. Okay, just one of our mid-ranger. Oh, okay, just a mid-range guy. Yep. All right, but with Zach Ertz out, I am curious though to you know think about the tight end game. What's going to happen? Richard Rodgers is your tight end one. How are they going to implement him? Is he going to be a part of the passing game heavily? Like, what is Richard Rodgers' role? Because this offense is normally so twelve personnel set, and even when it's not, you have Ertz or Goddard who are guys. And and we talked about is Fulgham just running Alshon Jeffrey's routes? Well, is Richard Rodgers just going to be running routes that is normally built for Zach Ertz? No, but keep an eye. I think a guy you got to keep an eye on is Jason Kroom, and people out there might be like. Like, who? Huh? What? Jason Kroom is a guy. He scored the touchdown last week, and that doesn't mean that he's like some touchdown whisperer here. He's going to score touchdowns. But I will tell you about Jason Kroom, something that's kind of interesting. When um, he was a guy, Kroom, who played wide receiver in college. So, yes, he's a tight end now, but he was an athlete. He's 6'5", 246, but he played wide receiver at Tennessee. This is Kroom's a guy I think is an athlete. He's a guy that I think that they can um, – utilize in the pass game in ways that you can't use Rod Rogers is like, you know, your classic blocker, your classic catch the ball and just goes down. I think Kroom's an athlete and that well now that they've had him into their offense, into their uh practices for the last couple of weeks, that you might see him utilize I want to say similar to what like Josh Perkins gave you last year. Because Perkins was another guy who was a wide out. They moved, or he was actually like a tight end that they made a wide out. Kroom was a wideout in college who's now playing tight end in the NFL, but he's a he's a pretty good athlete, that uh, Jason Kroom. Yeah, I think Perkins is actually a really good uh, comparison. He was that combination. He was the tight end wide receiver role. So, yeah, maybe you do have something in there. And I haven't heard much about Butler, who they brought in, who was supposed to be like a combination guy as well. Yeah, Hakeem Butler is a guy who played wide receiver, and they've made him a tight end. I think he's a little bit behind in terms of learning the offense, which is why Kroom, I think, has kind of passed him on terms of getting playing time on the active. Like, Kroom's going to be active tonight, and I would imagine he's going to be the uh, you know second tight end. I think he'll be the guy in passing situations. And Rodgers, I think you're going to see more 11 personnel, but this is another guy I, got, I think we have to keep an eye on, guys. And I'm going to say another name that's going to be a key tonight is Boston Scott. And I know people might say, what the hell, Boston Scott? The two games against the Giants last year, Boston Scott had a very big role in both those games. 
Everybody remembers the three-touchdown game that he had against the Giants in the uh, season finale. But if you go to the game they played before that, Boston Scott had 10 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. He had six catches for 69 yards in that first game. And in the second game, that was the one where he ended up getting three touchdowns and helped the Eagles win that game 34-17. to And in that game, he had 19 carries, which is big, for three touchdowns. He had four catches for 84 yards. So I think the Eagles can go back and watch some tape about how they use Boston Scott. Now, keep in mind, the Giants have a new coaching staff. They have a different defense. But I think Boston Scott is a guy that can be a bigger part if he's just all by himself in the passing game. I say the passing game. I don't think you're going to see Boston Scott run 19 times like he did that game against the Giants. But the first time he played the Giants, he had, what, eight catches, I think I said. And the second time, four. I think they can get him involved. And with Deshaun Jackson maybe on the field, let's say he's out at the X split wide, and you have Greg Ward in that slot, you send those guys out and have the tight end lined up on the opposite side of the field. You can utilize Boston Scott maybe catching the ball out of the backfield. Maybe get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside out there blocking for him. Well, he definitely knows how to do that. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I like the Boston Scott role. Obviously, you've seen success against this team, and you mentioned new coaching staff, but it's hard to think that a coach like Doug Peterson wouldn't realize what damage this guy has done against this team in the past. You have to review what you did, and they haven't really utilized that screen game a lot, and you can put a lot of blame on Carson for not really being able to hit those type of passes, it seems, throughout the beginning part of this season, but you need to get back to that, and I feel you should be able to to utilize that screen game in this matchup and that offensive line with Lane Johnson. Hopefully that fixes some issues there in terms of the run game as a whole. Did you see, though, that Brown got brought back to the practice squad and now he's actually elevated for tonight's game? Jamon Brown? Yeah. Obviously, it's going to be like low, low end, just, just in case kind of concept, but sheesh, I mean, you get cut for having one of the worst performances ever, and then you get brought back on the practice squad. Now you're Back to being elevated? I mean, what's going on here? Um, what's that mean for Matt Pryor tonight, I wonder? Because Pryor got... Um... Yeah, he so he he was activated from the COVID-19 list, so I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk to Adam Kaplan today, football at four. Now, there's a report today, Mike Garofalo reporting that Zach Ertz is going to be put on the injured list. Uh, the injured reserve means he's going to miss at least three games, and that means uh, he will be out until November. I mean, so... Uh, the report from Mike Garofolo says that he will be out to around Thanksgiving. Wow. Doesn't Thanksgiving sound so far away? Yeah, it's almost November if you but think about it's it. It's not really all that far, but that means it's essentially the rest of this month and almost all of next month. So you're not going to see Zach Ertz for, you know, the original time frame was about three, four weeks on Zach Ertz. He's going to be out about four to six weeks, it looks like. While that's big for this season, I also think it's big for the whole trade speculation and what's going to happen down the road for him. Is he going to get traded? Not now. Well, I mean, unless someone says, you know what, we'll take him, we'll stash him, and we'll get him for the second, you know, the the last month of the season run. But then he's got to learn the offense. He's got. I, I, well, let's flip I, it I the other way. That. Let's flip it the other way. Is it possible now that Howie has more leverage in terms of, dude, you're not getting that? You're this old? You're getting off of an injury now? You're not getting that much money. I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking yeah, at both I, sides. I see what you're saying. I don't think that works, though. I think he's – well, his negotiation is going off of his past. True. Right? If you're his agent, you're saying, dude, he's one of the best tight ends in the history of your franchise. Do you want to let a guy go into the Hall of Fame? I mean, he could be a Hall of Fame tight end. Do you want to get let a Hall of Famer go play for another team? 
and give him the opportunity to say, I don't want to represent the Eagles when I go into Canton? Well, to be fair, he probably still would even after. Oh, this. he might be so bitter. And if he, let's say he goes to another team and has. Equally, I can't worry about that, though. Well, I'm saying if I'm the agent, these are the things that you're, you know. And look, organizations do take some pride in that that guy was a Hall of Famer for us. You know what I mean? No, they definitely do, without a doubt. But, you know, if, if he's going to be that bitter about it, then I can't worry about how bitter another person's going to be. I can only control myself. But you are right. They do value that because when you go to the Hall of Fame, you see these people in an Eagles uniform. It says a lot about your franchise. Yeah, absolutely, that you can say, hey, we've got X amount of Hall of Famers. This guy was a Hall of Fame tight end for us. Now, you know, Zach Ertz, to me, if I'm the Eagles, I – I don't want to say I have no interest in bringing him back, but you have Goddard. I got Goddard, and I have Fulgham. It's so weird to say that, but <laughs> isn't it? I've got Fulgham. I've got Rieger, who I think I like. I got Hightower. Um, do I want to be this twelve personnel dual tight end, or do I want to start opening things up for my franchise quarterback? I think it's time to start opening things up, and you not that you can't be creative in 12 personnel set, because you absolutely can, but you can be more explosive going in another direction, and I do feel that, you know, at times this offense does get vanilla, and it does get stale, and with the ability to add another wide receiver out there on the field, and they're utilizing a ton of speed, as you can see with this roster, you can now implement a whole different playbook, which will make it not as vanilla. I think they do need to go in another direction, sadly, and what is Dallas Scotter's status as of now? Because if if Zach Ertz well, he's not is not playing be out, well, yeah, of course he's not. But I'm just saying in terms of he could play what's the, in the Dallas game. Well, yes, he he can play. But what did the, Doug Peterson was asked this question the other day, mm -hmm. and he was so brought he's up on saying track. he's on track. So we don't know what that really means. Well, he said they're well, right? He was very coy about it. He said they're both on track. He was talking about him and Miles Sanders. They're both on track. They're doing good, and we'll update you. He said next Wednesday. Okay, this Wednesday coming up. And Rieger as well. Was Rieger in that? Yeah, Rieger's in there too because he was on the list, uh, the injured list, and now he's uh, off. The, he, he can be activated from that list. So once you're back, you have a chance to now be active on the roster. That starts after this game tonight. Those guys would be three games out, and you can open up their 21 day window, and then all of a sudden you can, you know, you don't have to practice for 21. You can be on that ready to go. I think Goddard will probably. Now, there is a report that Alshon Jeffrey will play in the Dallas game. Did you see that? I did not. I'm almost taken back. Did you see my face? Yeah, you looked almost disappointed. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm definitely not disappointed. I'm not one of those people that don't want Alshon Jeffrey to be, be there. <laughs> but I'm almost shocked. Like, what? After everything we've been through? Remember we had that conversation before about how he had the injury, and then one day he was off on like a Thursday before a weekend with just illness. And I'm thinking, this guy has been through so much, and you're telling me just an illness is keeping him off, and now it's a calf and all this. I just don't know how to comprehend this information with Alshon that Here's what I'm blown I away. Tell me. Please tell Couple me. Couple things. All right. This is from Mike Garofolo. Dallas Goddard is on track to potentially re return in Week 10. That came out uh, about four hours ago. Uh, that would be a six-week absence, which is in line with what Ann Rappaport reported right after the injury. So Goddard with the ankle on track to return potentially in Week 10. Now, also from Mike Garofolo last night, which was, uh, let me, uh, let's go, uh, where did I see? All right. Eagles have ruled out Alshon Jeffrey and added a calf injury to his previous foot injury. I'm told it's a minor strain, but that's the reason he's out versus the Giants. They expect him to ramp up next week and play 
against the Cowboys. So his calf injury is why he's not playing tonight, not the Liz Frank. Well, I think it probably goes hand in hand. I mean, I don't know what leg the calf is hurt, what you know, leg the calf is is happening right now, but I would imagine that the foot and practicing on the foot probably made his calf hurt the way that it is with the strain. If it's right, if it's the same, calf, if it's the same leg. But are you moved by that at all? That I say they anticipate him ramping up and playing. Sunday night, Sunday night football. Again, you got Thursday night this week, you got Sunday night next week, a little primetime NFC East. What's better? I'm starting to get juiced up. You got me. But how do I feel about that? Here's how I feel. I'm not buying it because they expect him to play. Well, I thought Deshaun Jackson was expected to play the last two weeks. No. So what does expected not to play expected. really mean? Not They never said that they were expected Just show to me. Play. Show me first. When I see him running out there, I'll believe it. All right, Jordan Ronan covers the Giants. He's got our outside view today at 3. Jeff Pasquino, footballguys.com, answers your week. Seven fantasy football questions in the 3 o'clock hour. Get your questions in, 609-403-0973. Adam Kaplan has today's football at 4. I would listen for breaking news on that segment today because Adam Kaplan has been breaking a lot of news on Eagle game days, and I anticipate you'll get more of it today during football at 4. Our buddy Zubin Mahente from KJZ is going to join us at 3.40. We'll go through the NFL schedule, and the doc is in with all the injuries. That's a busy show. We're just getting started. I want to know how many people out there are genuinely excited for the game tonight. Like, it's 2020. It's been a horse bleep of a season in a year, but you got a good Thursday night NSC East game. Who's excited? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN Talk Show. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, Sports Bash brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call for convenient locations to serve you online, gmslaw.com. Busy show today. So Alshon Jeffrey not going to play. They've ruled him out, but uh, that's because of the calf injury, not the foot injury, apparently, according to Mike Garofalo. Minor strain to the calf. That's why he's out. They expect him to ramp it up next week and play against the Cowboys. You're going to get Deshaun Jackson back tonight. You're going to get Lane Johnson back tonight. Not playing tonight. We don't have the inactives yet, but we already know Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz. The news on Zach Ertz, not as good, though. Looks like he's going to be out longer than they thought, but... From reports, looks like Dallas Goddard could be ready, not this week coming up, but the following week, week 10, coming out of the bye. So you're going to have no Goddard and no Ertz for at least this Giant game and the Cowboy game on Sunday night. It's pretty crazy because so heavy 12 personnel. That's what this team's identity was, and now you got to go in another direction. So let's see what Doug Peterson does. You know, as a coaching staff, you're going to have to rebuild this thing, restructure it for what you are handed, and I would imagine since it's a short week, it's going to be very simple, very simple, very simple, but let's see what he draws up because he is used to being with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. This is a big shift. It really is, but I think it's – I don't think it's like – to the detriment. No, it's not. But, you know, there's definitely a, a change that needs to happen when it comes to this system based off of really having no tight ends but Richard Rodgers. I think the bigger, yeah, the biggest issue is getting the timing down with Deshaun Jackson again. How much have they really worked together over the two years that they've been together? You know, really, how much time have they been able to 
get out there with him at full speed, knowing how much giddy-up he has. I just keep going back to the one game I saw them play together, right? The one game that we got a healthy Carson Wentz and a healthy Deshaun Jackson. And in that game, all right, I will remind you, in that game, you got Deshaun Jackson with eight catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns. That was a 53-yard touchdown. He averaged 19.3 yards per catch. If I can get that Deshaun Jackson back, I feel pretty good about where this team can be. I hate to go down this road, but you said if you have a healthy Deshaun Jackson. Yep. Is he a healthy Deshaun Jackson? Fair question. Now, in that game, you had Ertz five catches for 54, Alshon five for 49, Goddard two for 16, Aguilar two for 11, yada, yada. Um, you know, not you don't have Jeffrey in this game, but can Travis Fulgen give you five for 60, five for 50, somewhere like that? The question will be, you know, how does he disperse the ball? I don't think Jackson gets nine targets in the game. I can tell you that right now. I think he can get five or six, and maybe three or four of them are the the longer variety. I think it helps out Hightower a little bit, but what does it do for the tight end game? Here's one problem. I don't want to say a problem, okay? The Giants are decent against the run. I say decent against the run because statistically speaking, they are very good against the run. They've been pretty good against I can say very good against the run. They've been pretty good against the run. Uh, statistically speaking. But I don't think that this is like a great Giants defense. Here's the thing. I don't think the Eagles are going to run the ball more than 15 times tonight. I would not be surprised if Doug Peterson got away from that run, especially if he tries it early and then he realizes it's not working the way that he would like it to work, and then you know how he goes. Then it's Doug Peterson dropping back. I, I think you're giving him more credit, to be honest. I don't even think he tries. You don't even think he gives it a shot? No, I don't. But I don't ha- think he well, tries. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, because you know we're not Doug Peterson haters. We criticize him at times. Based off of what you have seen Boston Scott do against this team in the past, and I know the Giants have a whole new coaching staff, wouldn't a good coach realize that this man has had success against this team in the recent past? Who? Boston Scott. Uh. Like, wouldn't a good coach realize that I had this weapon before, this weapon went off and had great games, and this is what we did? Wouldn't a good coach realize that and try and implement that uh, well, in this game? Well, here's what I'll say. Yes, but here's the problem. It's a totally new Giants defense and system. It is. So it's not like he's saying, hey, last year – we went after X, Y, and Z. You got they don't even. I think last year they were four three. I think they're playing a three four now. So you don't even have the same defensive philosophy that you had a year ago. A lot of new faces in certain areas. Now one spot I think the Giants are just okay is I think you can throw the ball on them. The problem is teams are typically beating them, and they run the ball a lot on the Giants because they're running clock. You can beat them in the passing game. There's no doubt about it. And that's why I, I do think well, you're not even going to give Doug Peterson the – the what? You're, you're just saying he's not even going to try it at all, try the run game at all? I said I, – I would say, all right, I'll give you over under 15 and a half attempts. I'll go over. And that's including Carson Wentz taking off, I would have guessed. I'll go over with that. Right, so you think they'll go over 15 and a half. The only – okay, the one way I could see them going over that – potentially, is if they have a lead. Right. If they have the lead, they're going to try and burn some clock out. But that plays a role. Maybe I anticipated that. Maybe not. Giants against the run this year are giving up 106 yards per game. That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 
best in the league. Now, points per game, when you go to that stat and uh, take a look at where the Giants fall there, they give up 25 points a game, which is about middle of the pack. Eagles give up almost 30 a game. They're at 29.2. That's a disappointing number. It is. But I feel last week people will look at the 30, and this is where I'm, I'm not a huge box score guy. The 30 points I didn't think showed how the defense played, how Jim Schwartz and that defense played that game against the Ravens. Because I didn't think they got out-schemed. I didn't think they got like outworked. It just was the nature of the beast of Carson Wentz t- turning the ball over and that being seven points. And you looked at last week's game while they gave up 30. It did not scream to me that that defense just played horrendous against the Ravens at all. How about you? Yeah, I thought that, I thought that the um, – to, to really sum up what the Eagles' defense did against the Ravens was difficult. It wasn't like, my God, they were atrocious, or, man, they really played solid and they lost. No, you gave up 30 points. I thought that they were average. Personnel hurt them, would you say? Yeah, I mean, they have crappy – personnel and right. like the linebacker but I didn't think their linebackers killed them last week I think I mean teams have problems with Lamar Jackson I mean what guy last week if I say to you man that guy killed you it was Lamar Jackson he was the guy that killed you who was the other guy on that offense that you were like my god all game long that guy because normally it's like they couldn't stop Kittle or they couldn't stop this who was the guy last week that you're like man this guy killed you and that's my point and that's why I feel like the 30 points it it's bad that you gave up 30 points, but it wasn't as if that defense played bad. No one, Everyone was screaming to fire Jim Schwartz the week before. The following week when they played the Ravens, I didn't hear a damn peep about Jim Schwartz's name all week long. It was all about Doug Peterson and the two-point conversion. So my point is the 30 points, I just don't think it, it tells the it full story. It was weird. It was. Their leading receiver had 57 yards. Their leading running back had 28 yards. Jackson had 108 yards rushing. I mean, he killed you. I mean... But that's what he does. That's difficult to defend. It's hard to come up with a game plan to say, hey, let's try to stop Lamar Jackson in the run game, especially when you're getting pressure on him and he starts running around in circles and breaks, you know, then coverage breaks down. I mean, Gus Edwards had 14 carries for 20. That's less than two yards a carry. Um, Andrews, who kills everybody, he had two for 21. Killed me in my fantasy. Thanks a lot, Mark Andrews. But... Literally, like, there wasn't an offensive player last week that really did anything against you. I think the uh, lack of flipping the field with the high tower drop that gave them good field position a bunch. I don't think their defense was, like, horrendous last week. You look up and say, how do you give up 30 and you're horrendous? Uh, Bad field position and breakdowns. Bad field position is almost an understatement. The first six drives, they couldn't get a yard. You know, like those first six drives were absolutely hideous. So bad. And you know what? Yeah, that first drive, there was a third and 10 and a third and 11. But after that first moment there for the defense, they played okay. And like when your offense can't get you a yard for the first handful of drives, I don't know what you expect. You expect this defense to just be magical and never, ever allow a point. I mean, that's just unfair. No, yeah, 30, I would say, you know, hey, you give up 30, that's not a good week. But I, I can't say that they were horrendous last week. That that would be my – again, I said this on Monday. Like, I have a hard time classifying – did they play good, bad, indifferent? I think it would be more average. They just had an average day. I thought they did a good job defending 
the run. I thought they did a solid job defending the pass. Where they had their breakdown was, and this is the thing, where they had their breakdown was in plays that broke down. They had coverage, which causes the quarterback to start taking off. And when he does that, you're kind of you're kind of up the creek. Absolutely. It's like, what are you supposed to do when you have such great coverage on a defense and then a special talent like Lamar Jackson gets to be able to use his feet? I mean, that's what he does. That's why we talk about Lamar Jackson as Lamar Jackson. Now, last week, Malik Jackson, Malik Jackson, not Lamar Jackson, four tackles, two and a half behind the line of scrimmage, a sack, and two quarterback hits. That's out tonight. That's, that's a loss. It's a big loss because Daniel Jones talked about this yesterday, and you guys know this. He will turn the ball over. So if you can get Malik Jackson getting pressure up the middle in and collapsing that pocket from the middle, that's where these quarterbacks have to get out. Now, he's pretty athletic for a quarterback, but he's not Lamar Jackson. Having that interior pressure causes interceptions and fumbles and the pocket getting there. I think losing Malik Jackson could be something tonight. But hey, Fletcher Cox had three. Uh, tackles last week. He had a tackle for loss. He had a pass broken up. The other guy, obviously, that you got to count on now to play probably more snaps is Hargrave. And I got to be honest, I've been a little disappointed with what Hargrave's brought to the table. I love that you just brought that up. So I was actually thinking about this yesterday, driving home from the studio, listening to Josh on game night. And I was just thinking about the Eagles kind of going into days a bit, focusing on the road, of course. But I was thinking about Hargrave. And I thought to myself, has he really done anything yet where I'm like, damn, all right, that was a great signing in the offseason. Now, to be fair, there was the injury stuff, and he came back from the injury. We were surprised that he came back so quickly. But there really hasn't been a true moment yet for me where I was like, okay, Hargrave, I see you, you know? And I was thinking about it yesterday when driving home. Like, that was a big conversation this offseason. We acquired him. We're going to keep building through that D-line. The D-line is what it's all about here in Philly. Jim Schwartz loves it. Eh. Eh, that's how I feel about Hargrave. Fair. I mean, I know he had the injury and got off to a little bit of a late start, but I agree. I thought he was going to have a little bit more of an impact. You know, one of the things that he did really well in Pittsburgh was get pressure and cause other teams to have to double him, and then that opened up sacks for the defensive ends because they got more one-on-one -on -one treatment, and that's not happening here. Now, you wonder, does he not get the reps that he got in Pittsburgh because you got Jackson, and Jackson's playing so well, so he's trying to figure out how to utilize all three of those guys? Well, Ridgeway, by the way, uh, he had to sack the other game against um, San Francisco. I guess he's going to probably get uh, some more run tonight. Vinny Curry could play in and out, right? You could put him in the DT spot, DN spot. Yep, yep. Now, something Andrew Ducheco said to us on Football at Four the other day stood out to me. And, you know, we talked about Derek Barnett and that one game. We were all surprised. We thought, oh, oh, my God, this is probably the best game we've seen him in an Eagles uniform. And he was talking about your best pass rushing duo. And he was like, it's probably Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. Where is Derek Barnett? You know, the fact that it's possible that Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat, the fact that it's even a conversation of that's probably a better duo for your pass rushers. Come on. Yeah, well, and we talked about, you know, Sweat, you don't want to give him too many snaps. He's not great against the run. You, you know, you use guys like him and Avery in, in pass rushing situations. I mean, Barnett, though, at what point do you just say he is what he is? This year, at the end of this year, that's when you say it. It is what it is. He had the big game, and we gave him credit for it. But if you're asking me my opinion of Barnett, I have a chance to move on from him. I I think I finally say that's I've I've made my decision. I'm going to move on. I would agree with you. And when we saw him play that there's way, there's some cap space that you're yeah, going to create. Yeah, he was so good that game, like so good that game. How can you be that great and just be so blah 
in so many other games. It's like his his when he does well, it comes in like a big spurt of whoa! Did you see those three sacks? And then it's nothing for quite some time. You know, it yeah. comes in these big waves. All right, sports bets brought to you by your Delaware Valley Accurate Dealers for great deals on Accurate's award-winning lineup. Stop shop online at DelValAccurateDealers.com. Jordan Ronan covers the Giants, ESPN.com's NFL Nation. He'll join us at 3. Adam Kaplan has football at 4. Zubin Mahente from KJZ at 4.40 today. JR's got another pick. He won again last week, 5-1 and one in the freebies. The NFL schedule, Dr. Kevin McHale tonight will get some insight on the Eagles injury report. That's all today on the one and only Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, 10 on the top of the hour, Sports Bash. We'll do the five rewind. At Mike Gill on show, uh, Twitter, I got uh, listener Keith, at Keith Dote, D-O-T-E. He's driving the FedEx truck. He says, at Mike Gill show, but Fired up since I woke up this morning. I got a picture of Keith wearing, I mean, beautiful sunglasses. And, I mean, just rocking out. I can't hear the message because it says, let's bleep and go. But I'll have to play it during the break. Wow. Keith's fired up. Wow. Also, listener Dom says, I'm not excited at all for the Eagles. Give me Arkansas State versus App State all night. Hashtag, I want winners. No, come on now. Dom, bang the over on that one. They got a good promotion on. DraftKings. Week 6 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 7. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when using promo code 973. Do not forget about MMA, big MMAsman. And baseball, you can turn $1 into $100. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 973. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tomorrow, Brett Okamoto. Can't wait. There you go. Big fan. He'll join us at uh, 340 tomorrow. Brett Okamoto will join us right here. Big fight this weekend. Can't wait. You like wait. the 2 o'clock start? No. Anti. Very anti. I like that late night, have the boys over, you know what I mean? Two in the afternoon, it's like, yeah. I like it. I'm out on the porch. It's going to be a good one, though. Uh, you got yeah. a six-fight six main event on the card. It's good. It's a good card, too. Yeah. I like uh, it's um, Harris and Volkov. Uh, it's going to be uh, just two guys just slugging each other. I said to Josh today, they got a DraftKings um, uh, odds boost, and it's um, Harris, Habib, and Whitaker all have to win. It's like plus 560. And I Ooh. said, the problem is you get the two heavyweights, Volkev and Harris, you just got guys swinging arms. Right. So I can't put money down on somebody just connecting on a jaw. It's a nice boost, though. 560, 590, man. I'm a huge Habibsman. I think he's going to take it. Domination. I love domination in sports. He's pretty good, though. I know. I think this is a, a good... He's got a good shot. Like, I don't think it's just going to be... You know, this easy, easy fight Put for Put this way. I like Gaethje more than I like uh, McGregor against Khabib. And Khabib just yes. absolutely. He just, Khabib just Man, void with Yeah, he manhandled him. Yeah, just so. dominated. Yeah. All right, what we got? What's five okay. rewind there? All right, well, Blake Snell, you said over five and a half yep. case. He did that all right. Damn right he had did. nine, although he did struggle with the third time around the lineup. Big Raisman. Huge Raisman. That was a big win for them. I feel like the guy watching the Rays when they win, the guy holds up his fish after he catches that fish. 
Speaking of that, very proud. Did you see the guy in the outfield who caught the ball and then threw his glove by mistake instead of the ball? <laughs> no. I don't know what I don't know what was happening there, but he got so excited he threw his glove back onto the field. Live people in the stands. Yeah, it was a good atmosphere. Happy for the race. All right, Cody Bellinger did not hit a home run. Standard. Yeah. Well, not standard, but you needed to rebound. I had to help you out. Mookie Betts did not steal a base. Standard. Over, under, you were wrong. You went under. You think all these games are going under, you hit the over. Yeah, what was the final last night? Six to four. Eee. Ten runs. The under was set. Or the, it was the five was two eight. when I said, I feel comfortable with Rays. I'm out. Yeah. Well, Bedtime. It was a good no, I was watching. You know what I was watching last night? What's that? That Netflix flicks, uh, social. Uh, oh, you did get into that. The fiance's watching. Yeah. She said it got boring towards the end. Well, it's very repetitive. Okay. It kind of makes you feel lousy about your life. I don't want to watch it because I heard some interesting things about it. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're a loser. So hold on. You're a second. very manipulative. You missed out manipulate on it. you missed out on Aaron Loop in the eighth inning with Justin Turner on second and getting out. Cody Bellinger looking. Former Phil, I knew he was getting out. Aaron Loop. Yep. High leverage situation in the World Series. Yep. In what universe? The one where Matt Clintax says you can't pitch for me. Aaron Loop. Their shutdown bullpen, though, has been getting hit well. Nick Anderson, five straight games, been allowing an earned run. Fairbanks got hit, too. They're starting to get tagged. 1-1. It is 1-1. We have the game tomorrow night on 97.3 ESPN.